Hey friends, welcome back to History Check, where we're taking a look at the history of tabletop games, one rulebook at a time. And today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Now, I know I had promised our first episode of 5th edition slash retrospective today, but I have spent the last week working on grad school applications, and that has eaten a lot more of my time than I expected it to. And so as I was putting together my episode for today, I just wasn't satisfied with the way it was coming together. I didn't feel I had put enough time into the research behind it for properly saying, this is how various aspects of the game have been seen over time and how they have grown. So instead of doing that, I thought I would do at least a special little episode today to tide you all over until next week when I've had a bit more time to work on our proper first 5th edition episode. So. Without further ado, I would like to commence with a complete mechanical history of dwarves in Dungeons & Dragons, with the caveat that this is just in core books plus also the Greyhawk supplement. So, not actually a complete history, because there have been many things in many side books, but we're going to at least take a look at what we can from the books that we have already covered on this show. So starting off, let's take a look at original D&D and how dwarves were portrayed in the very first book of this game. So here, dwarves only have a single paragraph to their name, and it is very basic and almost exclusively focused on rules. Which I suppose I should say when I say this is a mechanical history of dwarves. I'm not going to go into the descriptions of dwarves over time because they're pretty much the same. There's some changes, but they're pretty much all the same general traits. So we're just going to look at mechanics and how things have cropped up or disappeared or changed over time. So first of all, in original D&D, dwarves can only be fighters, and they can never get higher than 6th level. But they do have four advantages, and those advantages are, first, they have a high level of magic resistance, which gives them some bonuses for saving throws against magic. Second, they are the only characters able to, quote, fully employ the plus three magic warhammer, close quote. Though this is not described here, it's described in book three, but basically it's a fancy magic warhammer that comes back when you throw it, kind of like Thor's hammer. Third... They note slanting passages, traps, other sorts of dungeon oddities in underground settings. And fourth, they are able to speak the languages of gnomes, kobolds, and goblins. So there's not a lot to dwarves here, but they seem to be fairly beneficial when traveling underground. And that magic resistance is certainly nice, though their level cap would probably get annoying pretty soon when your human companions are going up to double-digit levels, and you're stuck here at 6th level. Now we move on to the Greyhawk supplement, where there is actually some description of dwarves, which the first book of OD&D didn't even have. We did have a picture, but we're not told anything about them almost at all. However, we are told that dwarves with a strength of 17 can get up to a 7th level fighter, and those with an 18 strength can get up to 8th level as a fighter. So... Still capped off, but you can get a little bit better, but really just, just feels like they're being thrown a bone and not actually given a huge benefit. But I don't know, maybe those two levels are pretty important. Anyway, we are told that dwarves who are not players can become clerics now, up to 7th level, but you can't play as them, so why would you bother to know this fact? Furthermore, we are told that dwarves can work simultaneously as fighters and thieves, thief being a new class introduced in the Greyhawk supplement, which also in its own entry mentions that dwarves can act as thieves just full stop. They don't need to also be fighters. But here we're told that no bonuses are given for being a fighter and a thief at the same time, 
and your earned experience is basically divided between the two classes, even when you can't get to a higher level as a fighter. So while this is a benefit, it's also still going to give you that level cap from being a fighter, and it may not be the biggest boon for your character. Because also, you can only wear leather armor when acting in this way. So, I don't know. It may not be actually the best choice, but it's there. Also, dwarves do have infravision and can see up to 60 feet away in the dark. So, that's nice and convenient. But ultimately, all this is just kind of adding on to things we already know about dwarves. There's nothing really changing over time besides just giving them dark vision and they can get to a little higher level as a fighter and do some things as a thief. But next, we arrive at basic D&D. And here, there is some weirdness because Dwarf is technically a class, so this is Dwarf slash Fighter at this point. So here, we see that they have a minimum score required to play them. They need to have a constitution score of 9 or greater, so for the first time, it is actually somewhat difficult to just be a Dwarf in the first place, not just to get capped at some point and be like, oh, well, this is annoying. There is a requirement to just start in the class at all. However, we are given their saving throw table, and they do have some benefits over the standard fighter for their saving throws, so that's still there, just not specifically noted. Then onto their selection of weapons, they can only use weapons of small or normal size. They cannot use two-handed swords or longbows. So again, another restriction for dwarves. This is kind of frustrating. But after this, there are a few special abilities that are rather beneficial. So, first of all, they have infravision. Again, they're able to see things up to 60 feet away in the dark. This is just the same as coming from Greyhawk, though there's a bit more description of how infravision works. They also have a few extra languages, the same ones they had before, Gnome, Goblin, and Kobold. So, overall, dwarves feel pretty much the same that they did in original D&D, just updated to basic D&D's rule set, which honestly is not that different from original D&D at all. Now, once we get to Advanced D&D, or 1st Edition, we do actually see some somewhat new abilities for Dwarves. So, first of all, Dwarves do still have a level cap, and they can only be Fighters, Thieves, or Assassins. And they can work simultaneously as Fighters and Thieves, but they're still stuck using Thief Leather Armor. So, again, still maybe not the best decision, but it's up to you. And again, there is the division of experience that will stop once they reach the level cap for fighters, but they can still keep advancing as thieves. Then we're told they can never use magical spells, but this gives them, again, a bonus to magical saving throws. And they also have a bonus to saving throws against various forms of poison, so that's new. And it's the same kind of bonus that they have against magic. They have all of the same languages, though now they can also speak Orcish. That's very nice, but they can't get too many languages beyond that, just because they already start out with a lot. So that's kind of a restriction, but it's a fair one. It seems like, yeah, they know like 50 different languages already. They shouldn't have too many more. Or they're just, they seem way too smart. Again, they have 60 feet of infravision, and they can still detect various different dungeon construction features though here there are a few different odds for detecting them. As opposed to basic, where it was all just the same odds, a 1 to 2 on a d6. They also have a few new bonuses in combat, where they are better at attacking half-orcs, goblins, hobgoblins, and orcs. And meanwhile, they have better defenses against ogres, trolls, ogre magi, giants, and slash or titans. So here they actually get a very substantial bonus, or I suppose subtraction from their opponents to hit rolls. But that's all we have for dwarves in first edition. Now, moving on to second edition, there are only a few changes that I can find. 
They do now have the option to be a cleric or a fighter slash cleric, and they can still be a fighter or a thief or a fighter thief. They still have various different languages that they can speak from gnome and goblin and kobold and orc. So those are all the same. They still have the same bonus and penalty to constitution and charisma. And they are still non-magical, at least for magic spells. They can use priest spells. And they still have their bonus on saving throws against magical spells, which actually goes up over time now. And again, they have a resistance to poison. Now, one addition to their whole anti-magical nature is that they have difficulty using magical items. Or at least as long as those magic items are not suited to their class specifically. So, I don't feel like this is a huge restriction, but... It's there, and it may cause someone a bit of difficulty if they wanted to use a random wand that they found, I suppose. Once again, they have the same bonuses in combat against orcs and goblins and their relatives, and the same better defenses against ogres, trolls, and other big creatures, because dwarves are just inherently a little smaller, and I guess they find it easier to dodge the attacks from these large creatures. Once again, they have infravision. Once again, they are great miners and can still detect all of those fancy little features in dungeons like slopes and pits and all of that. But for the most part, second edition dwarves feel very much like first edition dwarves. And really this all still just feels like it's additive. There's just more features for dwarves. There's not really anything that is disappearing. I suppose the benefit from original D&D of that plus three magic warhammer has not shown up since. But I believe a similar magic item exists in these later editions, and all of the information for that is just included with that magic item itself. But still, the other three advantages that dwarves started out with are still here for the most part. They may work a little different, but they're pretty much still here. The magic resistance, the ability to detect different dungeon features, and a few extra languages. Although... Notably for 2nd edition, they no longer have a level cap, but they still are restricted on their classes, just not as much as they were. So that aspect has grown and changed a little bit and become a little less restrictive, but it's still ultimately there. Really quick, Jonathan from the editing room floor here. I do have a few things that I misstated in 1st and 2nd edition that I just wanted to correct right here. Both of those editions did have ability score requirements for dwarves, but they don't seem to have been very restrictive, and they're not actually listed with the rest of the racial traits, which is why I missed them. They're on tables somewhere else. So those did exist, um, but they don't seem to be too problematic, so I don't feel too bad that I didn't mention them. And also, second edition did have level limits for non-human characters, but they're listed in the DMG, and they seem to be semi-optional. So it says to just ask your DM about them. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. Now, once we arrive at 3rd edition, there are a few additions, but importantly, there is one notable omission. So, you can play a dwarf wizard, you can play a dwarf ranger, and important for my interest, and importantly for my interests, you can play a dwarf paladin. But let's see their actual abilities that they do have here. They have a stronger bonus and penalty for constitution and charisma, respectively. Now it's a plus 2 and a minus 2. They now have a restriction on their land speed. It's only 20 feet, but they're not over-encumbered by medium and heavy armor, so they're ultimately kind of just more skilled at using those armors, but it's kind of a trade-off. They still have their good old dark vision. They have an ability called Stone Cunning that basically replaces the Notice All These Different Kinds of Traps ability as weapons that are slightly easier to use because they're more familiar with them, so that's a small new thing. They have stability, 
where they have benefits against being basically knocked to the ground or tripped. That's new, but again, not really the biggest thing. They still have their bonuses on saving throws against poison and spells. They still have bonuses on attacks against orcs and goblinoids. Still have that bonus on now their armor class against attacks from giant enemies like ogres, trolls, hill giants, all of that. They have a new bonus on appraisal for stone and metal items. Again, a very small addition. They no longer start with so many different languages for orcs and goblins and all of that, but those languages are easier for them to learn. They're bonus languages. And again, as I said, they have that favored class of fighter. So still a lot of the same stuff is here. Some features have shifted in how they work and some have new names, but largely everything is still the same, just with some more things again tacked on top. But moving on to 4th edition is where we really see a lot of difference. So 4th edition really reduces the amount of features that all of the races have. They have low light vision rather than dark vision, but the vagaries of that aren't super important, and they still can kind of see in the dark, just not quite as well maybe as they could before. They now only have common and dwarven as their languages, so no more orcish, goblin, gnome, anything like that. Those are just by the wayside now. They do have some skill bonuses for Dungeoneering and Endurance, and Dungeoneering at least could kind of help them with finding those different dungeon features that we've talked about so much, but it's not an explicit bonus for those things exactly. And Endurance is more general than that, it's just going to help them with constitution-related things that aren't exactly constitution. They have a feature called Cast Iron Stomach that does still give them a bonus to saving throws against poison, so that is still here. They have Dwarven Resilience, which lets them use their second wind as a minor action instead of a standard action. This is some very specific 4th edition stuff, but basically it's a little easier for them to get a bit of healing in the middle of a fight. They have Dwarven Weapon Proficiency, which gives them proficiency with the Throwing Hammer and the Warhammer. That's similar to their weapon familiarity from 3.5, but not exactly the same, and not for such specialized weapons. They do have an encumbered speed, where they move at their normal speed, even when their speed would normally be reduced by things like armor or a heavy load. So again, that's kind of a continuation of the similar feature from 3.5. And finally, they have Stand Your Ground, where basically when an effect would move them in various different ways, whether that's a push or a pull or whatever, they can move a bit less than the effect would have them move. And when they would be knocked prone, they can possibly save against being knocked over. So that, again, is similar to another feature from 3.5. But at this point, pretty much all of their features from original D&D have disappeared pretty rapidly, almost overnight, from one edition to the other. They no longer have any bonuses on saving throws against magic. Nothing at all about the plus three magic warhammer, of course. And I don't even think 4th edition has a magic item that's an analog to that, actually. They no longer really have any benefit to seeing those slanting passages, traps, other dungeon features. Though they do have that dungeoneering bonus, so it's a little bit of a succession to that, but not really the same thing. And they no longer have any gnome, kobold, or goblin languages. So dwarves have become very different just as of 4th edition. Though they're not totally new, they're just carrying over more of the features from 3.5 that were new there, rather than the ones that have existed in many of the previous editions. 
And finally, we arrive at 5th edition, where dwarves have a constitution score increase of plus 2. They have a base walking speed of 25 feet. They have 60 feet of dark vision. They have dwarven resilience, which gives them advantage on saving throws against poison and resistance against poison damage. They have dwarven combat training, which gives them proficiency in battle axes, hand axes, light hammers, and war hammers. So again, the weapons are a bit more mundane than they were in 3.5, where they were very exotic weapons that the dwarves got some bonuses for, but still roughly the same kind of idea. They have a new tool proficiency, where they gain proficiency with either smith's tools, brewer's supplies, or mason's tools. That's new. Though it does feel mostly like a continuation of the 3.5 feature where they had bonuses to appraising stone and metal items. It seems like they have familiarity with these things. The brewer's supplies is kind of new, but it's not out of place necessarily. They do still have stone cunning, though it's somewhat more limited than it had been in the past. It's really just for making history checks related to the origin of stonework. And once again, they can only speak common and dwarvish, so again, no other fancy languages from other underground creatures. However, 5th edition does have one very notable addition, and this is something that is not exclusive to dwarves. It's available for elves, halflings, gnomes, a lot of others that have come up throughout different supplements to 5th edition, and that is subraces. There are two main subraces of dwarves, hill dwarves and mountain dwarves. And each of these only have two benefits to them. Hill Dwarves have another ability score increase where they give a plus one to Wisdom. And they also have Dwarven Toughness where they basically give extra hit points for every level. So Hill Dwarves are a bit wiser and exceptionally hearty. Whereas Mountain Dwarves have an ability score increase of a plus two to Strength and Dwarven Armor Training where they have proficiency with Light and Medium Armor. So this is interesting that there's this decision now for playing a dwarf. Do you want to be a hill dwarf or a mountain dwarf? And there are benefits to both, certainly. But here we can see some more things that have disappeared. There is no more... In a way, the dwarven resilience from 4th edition is still there for the hill dwarf with their dwarven toughness. It's definitely not the same, but it feels to be in the same vein where it's dwarves are just a bit tougher in certain ways. So ultimately, 5th edition dwarves, while certainly not totally different, they definitely still feel roughly the same. They do actually have a lot of divergence from pretty much all of the past varieties of dwarves. Now, importantly, I know 5th edition does have an analog to that old plus three magic warhammer. There is the dwarven thrower. And as I said, that's been in several editions in the past, but it wasn't in 4th edition, so it's back in 5th and that's worth noting. But dwarves have become a very different kind of character than they were in original D&D. And I would say the turning point really happens somewhere between 3.5 and 4th edition, with 3.5 giving a lot of new abilities and 4th edition taking away a lot of old ones. And 5th edition does continue to change, but ultimately it does feel more similar to the 3.5 and 4th edition dwarves than to any that came before it. But overall, dwarves always seem pretty cool. I mean, I don't know that I would always play one in any of these editions. Okay, no. Who am I kidding? I totally would. But despite the differences over time, they always seem fun. They're these tough little guys who are skilled in unique ways underground, and they're either resistant to magic or poison, and I don't know. They seem cool. And if you've listened to this show for a while, that's no surprise to you. 
but they're cool. What can I say? Anyway, I'm not going to try to multiply more words about dwarves, though I could. But even though I'm not putting out a full episode today, I still at least wanted to give you all a taste of how I want to cover this retrospective look at where D&D has come over the past 40 years of editions. So I hope you'll join us next week as we focus a bit more on 5th edition than we did today, but we're still going to cover how different aspects of the game have grown over time. I know we're going to look at wizards, we're going to look at ability scores and alignments, and we're going to see where we get to. We're going to take our time with this one, and I really want to do justice to the whole history of the game here. I mean, obviously, I can't cover it all, because I've spent the past many, many, many months going over individual histories here, and I still have barely scratched the surface of half of these editions. But regardless, I want to see some general trends here, and I hope you will all enjoy that, and we can really see how this game has grown. But anyway, as always, I hope you will join the discussion on Reddit. As always, there's going to be a link in the show notes to where you can find that post, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode. It's always good to hear from you guys. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to History Check, and have a great day.